You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Father God, I just thank you so much for this day together to um, hear your word, hear your good news of Jesus, God, and I just pray you bless this time in this class, God, that um, your words would go forward, and as parents, we will come away um, feeling more prepared and more encouraged to read the Bible with our children. Um, God, above all, I pray that we remember that our job is to plant seeds and, yes, to read your word with them, but ultimately, your spirit is what um, draws our children to you. So I ask these prayers in your son's name. Amen. All right, well, I want to, um, everybody, I think, in here knows a little bit about me, but I'm the director of children's ministries as well as the nursery director right now. But formally, um, I was a teacher and a third-grade teacher, so I've taught kindergarten, first grade, and third grade. And not only was I a teacher, I was a reading and writing teacher, so this class is near and dear to my heart, just um, talking about reading the Bible and tools and tips to do that with our children. So if you haven't seen some of the series, some of the classes prior to this one, this is part, the last of a series called Simple Ways to Invest in Your Kids at Home. And um, October 10th was Family Worship. Wes Sharp led that one. It's great. If you haven't listened to that, it was recorded October 17th um, was kind of a big picture view that I did. October 24th was all about prayer. Julie and Craig Ogard led that one. And then today is the last one, Tools and Tips for Reading Scripture with Your Children. So our goal today is really to brainstorm some ideas about at home, how do we effectively incorporate um, reading scripture at home. And um, like I said, I, I do have a lot of background in reading with children and um, seeing the challenges that that poses when at home as parents, um, we want our children to read or we want them to read a certain thing. And sometimes children love reading, sometimes children don't like it at all. And um, sometimes as parents, we feel ill-equipped to um, read what I think we would all consider the most important book that we want our children knowing. So hopefully this class is helpful to you um, as we dig into this. So what I first wanted us to talk about is the difference of reading the Bible with our children and then lots of other great and wonderful texts and things we can um, incorporate into our home life to teach them about God. So um, there are great devotionals out there, you know, for boys and girls, young kids, old kids. Those are wonderful. Generally, it'll be a kind of a topical topic or maybe rooted in a verse, um, and it'll put it in kid terms and be scripture-based, and that is wonderful, but it's not actually reading the Bible. So wonderful resource, but not the same as reading the Bible. Um, same thing with um, Bible shows. A lot of, there's so many good shows out there, especially on Right Now Media, that are um, cartoon-based or animated, and they teach so much about the Bible but also not the same as reading the Bible. Um, and then things like our community offers, Bible clubs and whatnot. So all of these are wonderful additions and things that, of course, we want our children doing, but we don't want to replace reading the Bible with that. Um, and I wanted to also add that even 
our children independently reading whatever Bible that they have or feel comfortable with, um, that's also not the same as parents reading the Bible to them. So um, I hope that's an encouragement, just that those things are great additions, but um, I hope we come away with um, feeling encouraged for us as parents to be the ones that are reading to or with our children. So um, the reasons why reading the Bible to your child or with your child, the parent doing that, is um, children really need the gospel connection to each story um, spelled out for them. So a lot of times if they are just reading a Bible, if, if they're an independent reader, and I know a lot of children that are represented in this room right now aren't fully reading independently, but if they were, say they're in third grade, um, you know, a third grader could pick up the Bible and read it, but their Bible, especially, and we'll go through in a second the different Bibles we use, it's not always going or rarely will it spell out the gospel connection of every single story. So when we as parents read the Bible to our children, we are able to help them see the connection of that story and how it relates to the good news of Jesus. This is super important, especially in Old Testament stories, where a lot of times, you know, they might say, well, that's a great story about Joseph. What in the world does this have to do about Jesus? Um, so parents need us to help bridge that gap for them. Um, children also need to recap a lot. Um, reading, when an adult is there reading to their child or with their child, we as the adult after that story can give a quick little summary, kind of like a second dose of that, um, which is more meaningful and helps it soak in a little more rather than the child just, you know, reading in their room for a few minutes, um, reading a story and closing it shut. Um, and then, of course, the relational aspect just can't be matched. Um, when a parent is engaging with their children and sitting beside them and reading to or with or something that is really special with that, even if your parent, even if your kids are fighting it, you know, and if they say, oh, I don't want to do this again. Um, I heard a sweet story from a parishioner several months ago that um, she's read aloud to her kids and she never, their family never stopped even when their kids were well-advanced readers, they always read aloud to their kids. And yes, it was the Bible, and yes, yes, it was some other text, but um, her kids come home from college now and still ask for mom to read to them. So um, don't underestimate the meaningfulness that you're creating at home when your fifth or sixth grader, you know, is fully capable of reading and you're the one reading the Bible to them. Um, it'll be a sweet memory and... Um, they'll remember that relational piece to it. So one of the great uh, benefits of parents reading to and with their children is that at the end, we're able to have discussion with them. And so um, believe me, I know the mad rush of home life, we're going from A to B and whatnot, but when we are able to have a discussion after reading a Bible story, that's crucial um, and so helpful to our kids. And so some of you might be familiar with a discovery Bible study method. Um, it's a really simple method that you could use reading any passage or any story in the Bible. And so some basic questions you could ask after every story are, um, what do you like about this story? And what do you not like about the story? We want our kids to feel safe as we would with um, anybody else to say, okay, what didn't resonate well with you? What, 
what was confusing, what did you not like, um, what was hard to believe, and then um, what do we learn about God from this story, and what do we learn about people? And those are just some basic questions you could ask every night to kind of get the discussion going, and it's a great way, too, for you to kind of, if your child didn't really pick up on some foundational truths from that story, how you could help um, in that moment teach them um, what your reflections are. So what I want to do now is show you some different Bibles that we use here um, at the Advent. And one of the resources that you have is the chart that shows 3K through 12th grade, this one right here. And I'll show you each Bible and the differences in the two. Um, because I think that sometimes once children are a certain age, we don't want parents to think once they hit a reading ability that children's Bibles are no longer needed. So I'm going to show you the difference in a few that we use. Um, the main Bible that we use in 3K and 4K is the Jesus Storybook Bible by Sally Lloyd-Jones. Um, this is, it has about 25 stories in the New Testament, 25 stories in the Old Testament. So you can see 50 stories to map out the whole Bible. We're missing a lot of stories, but it is a wonderful way for um, children to get the full story of the Bible in language that they understand, they're beautiful illustrations, um, and every single story is tied back to the Gospel. So um, this is great for 3K and 4K, and um, it's told in a very story-like manner, so it's engaging for them. And so we read this to 3K and 4K, but what I want you to know as um, a parent is if you've never read this from cover to cover with your child, I recommend even if they're in kindergarten or first grade um, reading this because ultimately every time our children read the Bible, we want them to understand even though the Bible is big and it has a lot of different stories, for us to use the language with them, the Bible is one story that is all about Jesus. So every night you're reading it. You know, tonight we're going to read the story of when Jesus teaches how to pray. You know, this is one story of the Bible, but the Bible is really one big story that points us to Jesus. Um, when, here at the Advent, when the story that we're learning is not in the Jesus Storybook Bible, a lot of times it's in this Beginner's Bible. So we'll use this for 3K and 4K. This is very basic. It'll give the scriptural facts, but it does not tie the story back to the full story of the Bible and how it points to Jesus. But it's still a resource that we use um, to teach a story from the Bible. So then we move on to, in my opinion, is my favorite. Um, the Gospel Story Bible by Marty Machowski is um, top-notch. So this story, I'm going to open it up in a second, has about 75 stories in the New Testament, 75 in the Old Testament, and every single story is just two pages. So the text is on one page, there's an illustration on the next page with three reflection questions. And every single story points back to Jesus, and I want to give y'all an example of this. So today in Sunday school, in fact right now, your children are learning when Abraham was tested and was told to sacrifice Isaac. And so I want to read you the last paragraph of what the gospel story would say to that. So the, this, and this is very scriptural based. So even Marty Machowski, even in every story, will reference the um, scripture as he writes um, a piece of the story. But if you were to read this story in the Bible, it would stop at the factual details. 
But in the Gospel Story Bible, it says, did you know that God gives us a picture of his salvation through this story? Abraham's sacrifice of his only son is a lot like God the Father's sacrifice of his only son, Jesus. There is one big difference. God didn't stop the sacrifice of his son at the second, at the last second like he did with Abraham. Jesus had to die. The ram caught in the bushes is also a picture of our salvation. It was killed instead of Isaac as a substitute. Jesus, the Lamb of God, is our substitute. Jesus died in our place so we could live. Without him, we all deserve death of our sin because of sin against our God. The story of Abraham and the sacrifice of Isaac gave Israel a hint of God's saving plan. Now, looking back, it is easy for us to see the connection. So every story just has this beautiful gospel connection to that. Um, So at church, at the Advent, we read this to our kindergartners and our first graders for their Bible lesson. But what I want you to know is at home, even if you have a second grader, third grader, even fourth grader, I recommend just if you, have, if you don't have this Bible, just starting from the beginning and going through it. I mean, you could get through it in a year if you read three or four times um, a, a week. So um, very beneficial, engaging for kids, and um, obviously a lot more um, number of stories in the Jesus Storybook Bible. So then we move on to the Adventure Bible. This, we're all familiar with this. Our second graders received this at the Advent. And what we um, want you to know about the Adventure Bible is this is not, just because they get it in second grade, and they do start using it in Sunday school. So teachers will guide them through how to find books and um, how to, what the chapters mean and the verses mean, and volunteers who want to read can read this. But this is a full NIV Bible, which is on um, a 7th or 8th grade reading level. And so just know when you're reading this at home, sometimes parents will say, my child's discouraged from reading their adventure Bible at home. And that's okay because chances are it's well above their reading level. And so use this as a tool to, um, you know, maybe if you're reading from the Gospel Story Bible, pull out this and find the actual story in the Adventure Bible. Or every now and then you pull this out and read to your child. But over time, this is going to become a great tool for them to read independently and on their own. But for elementary school, um, just dabbling it is great. You know, browsing through it, um, teaching them different things. But we don't recommend that this be your sole source of Bible reading um, starting in second grade just because they get it or just because they were there that's just different from your normal NIV Bible? That's a great question, Liz. So the question was what's different in here? So this is a full NIV Bible. The difference is on every page there's kind of different sidebars that might explain something. It does have colored illustrations. It's got timelines that a lot of study Bibles would have, but um, in a more child-friendly format or right kind of in where that scripture is. Um, it'll have little glossaries here and there to define certain words um, and also boxes to help children apply. It'll kind of say, did you know that this means blank to kind of help them take something from back then and relate it to today's world. Um, yeah, so additions to help kids, but a full NIV Bible. Um, the reading level I should share on the Gospel Story Bible is about a fourth or fifth grade reading level. So this would also be a great option if your child's a little bit older for them um, to read this independently too. Um, okay, so we talked about those Bibles. 
and I would like um, just to give a look, some tips. Some of you might have a great system going now for um, how to read how your Bible reading at home is going. But some of you have really young kids and you know that you'll be entering this journey later on. But some tips that we have is to go in chronological order. Believe me, I know this is hard. My daughter only wants to read Adam and Eve and only wants to read the crucifixion and the resurrection. Occasionally, she wants to read about Noah. Um, so I get, having a four-year-old, it's hard to go through the Jesus Storybook Bible in order because if she's super excited, to read a story and resistant, you know, I don't want there to be a tension and it to turn into a negative situation. So I just um, know that for her right now, we're not in this great routine of reading one story and reading the next story the next night, and I know that we'll get there over time. But if you can go in order, um, just some personal experience from that. I've done that with my now first grader. We started with the Jesus Storybook Bible about a year ago. We, we were kind of dabbling in it, and I was honestly letting him choose what stories he wanted to read. And then um, actually a blessing of the quarantine during COVID when we were home so long, um, I just said, let's start going in order. And we did, and I could see the fruits of that because when we finished a couple of stories, he would say, okay, what are we going to read the next time? Okay, so and he flips over, we go, so the next story is this. And then he kind of knew what was coming. So that's been beneficial with him. And we're in the gospel story now. We have about six stories left. Um, and we just read one a night. And we don't do it every single night. But um, maybe about four times a week we do. And going in order has kids like routine. They like to know what's coming up, what to expect. And so that's been a um, not only a good structural routine, but we, we want our kids to understand the full story of the Bible. So, you know, when they get to 12th grade... Would we rather than be able to, you know, name all of Joseph's brothers and the details of that story, or would we want them to be able to see how the story of Joseph um, really prepared the way for the Israelites to be in Egypt and how it relates to the full story of the Bible? We want them to realize the full story of the Bible. So um, going in order really helps promote and um, helps with that. Um, I would ask your child what they prefer. You know, if, if, especially if you're going to be the reader, ask, okay, where do you want to do this? Do you want to do this on the couch, in your bed, in my bed, um, at the dinner table? And even ask, okay, if, if, especially if your child's a reader, ask, do you want me to be the reader? Do you want to help me read? Do you want to read at all? Do you want to read it silently and I'm here sitting beside you? Kind of give them some options, especially if your child is not an innate um, lover of reading. You know, if, if you know that it's not something and they haven't really been captivated by the Bible yet, giving them some choices and letting them make some choices in it um, can be really beneficial. Um, for parents that have readers, I really recommend not forcing your child to read it. Um, sometimes what I've heard is, and I heard this when I was a teacher too, um, I loved when my kids chose the Bible as their text to read for their 20 minutes at night. You know, I always said, that's great. Um, but then sometimes parents would say they didn't want to read it. And I would kind of say, well, probably because it's above their reading level. But so many children have... Um, they have insecurities about how they read out loud and they're working through that at school and they're getting better but for some reading aloud even to a parent is something that they don't enjoy so I would just give your child the choice even if even if you know they can read um, 
I would um, oh, I would share with them as you're reading the story any childhood or adult misconceptions you had about stories. Um, the more that we can share with our children that we didn't have all the answers and we didn't understand everything when we, re when we read it as a kid or a teen or even as an adult, the more relatable and the more comfortable um, reading God's Word can be because it's intimidating. It's a huge book with so many complex ideas and um, events that happened for us to be able to say, yeah, I didn't understand this. Sometimes I still don't understand this, and I, that's why I go to Sunday school. Um, that helps them. Um, I would share the questions that you have. We want our children to be Bible readers who are so comfortable with reading something and immediately sharing a question that they have. So um, just model that for them and share questions that you have. Um, I would always reiterate that God reveals himself through his word. And so even if your child has, like I said earlier, not been captivated by the Bible, if we continue to say God reveals himself through his word, the more we, um, the more we can learn about the Bible, the more we can learn about God, and the Spirit will lead us closer to him, help us understand it, help us to thirst for that more. Um, I would always say the Bible is one big story that points us to Jesus. Um, some language you can use, too. Some, um, some children are fascinated by the Old Testament. Others are like, what in the world does this have to do? Let's get to Jesus' birth and move on because I know about Jesus. But if we as parents can say, and, we, and they hear this every week at Sunday school, that the Old Testament promises and prepares the world for a Savior, and the New Testament reveals that Savior is Jesus. Then as they're reading it, they know it's connected to Jesus. It's something either preparing or promising um, the world for a Savior that, that can help um, bridge the connection to how it's related. Um, and my last, uh, another tip is if you have multiple children at your house, it's okay for, to be individual with them. Um, family worship can be different than reading the Bible with your kid. And so, um, like, I'm looking at your, thinking about your family right now. Big gap, you know, and your sweet girl is so mature and, and knows so much. Um, and you might, it's kind of the same in my house as well. I have one son who is so interested and cannot get enough of it. And like I shared about my daughter, she only wants Adam and Eve right now and Jesus. And so if we were reading together, that she would be distracting him. He would be frustrating because he just wants to really focus and ask questions and all of that. So, you know, divide up and um, or read to one child one night and one child the other. One parent go here and another parent go there. Um, just don't think that it that the Bible reading has to be family worship all the time. Those can be separate and kind of meet your children where they are. Um, read this Bible with this child and this Bible with that child, whatever whatever works for them. If there, if there were to be a middle ground, yeah. I appreciate what you're saying. Yeah. If there were to be, you know, if we have three different Bibles we should be reading right now, yeah. kids, would you point us to the Gospel story Bible if we were going to try to do all three at once? I would, especially um, with the girls. I would do that um, because even... For Gray, who I know could pick up the Adventure Bible and, and read that beautifully, it, there, for him to see it in a simple way where in a, less than a year he would get the full story of the Bible, there's no way he would get the full story of the Bible from the Adventure Bible because he just won't read the whole thing in a year. So I would do the Gospel Story Bible as a middle ground. And then once, once you start and finish that, it's like your family has essentially read 
pretty much read the Bible, you know, about 160 stories, foundational stories. Um, and then that's one that they've all had experience with, the full story. So, yeah, that was a great question. Um, and then as you're reading the Bible to your children, I would pray aloud for your children to hear you pray this, that um, pray that the Spirit does the work and helping your child understand the Bible and helping your child um, thirst for it and yearn for it and um, want to know more about God and draw them closer to Jesus. Because the last thing we want, even if you're modeling your love for the Bible, if your child doesn't feel that yet, we don't want there to be any guilt or shame about that. Like, everyone else loves the Bible, and I... You know, I think it's boring or I don't understand it. Just if we can give that weight to the Holy Spirit and they hear you praying over your over them that the Spirit's doing the work and you're not pressuring them like it is time for you to love this and do it well, um, that's really freeing for them to hear that and hopefully they'll be able to trust that um, and in due time um, thirst for God's Word as much as we want them to. So the last thing I want to do before we talk about questions or comments and things, I would love to hear what works well or doesn't work well in your household is talk about some of these resources that you can just fold, keep at home, pull them out when you're reading the Bible with your kids. Um, The first one I want to show is this pictorial Bible timeline. Um, Throw this in whatever Bibles you're reading at home. And as you read a story, just kind of point out where it is. So for instance, Today, when um, children are learning about when Abraham was tested, their teacher would say, okay, so we're falling in right in the patriarch period of um, the Bible. And so, and then, okay, Jesus, there's a long time until Jesus was born. Well, we have to go through all of these different points in time before we get to where Jesus is. But just so they can begin to see what, whatever they're reading, how does that fall in to the full story of the Bible? And then this one right here, the kingdom timeline, as a reminder, this year in Sunday school, children are learning the full story of the Bible with a focus on God's kingdom. So every story that they're reading, they are um, talking about how is this, what part of God's kingdom is this, who are God's people, what is God's place, what is God's rule and blessing. If you've ever read Von Roberts' God's Big Picture, we're doing that on a kid-friendly version. So the teachers use this timeline. And so they're able to see, okay, at the very beginning um, with creation, that was the pattern of the kingdom. That's how God designed it. Um, Oh, goodness, then the fall came. Okay, so then that was part of the perished kingdom. Well, now we're in the promised kingdom. We're learning all about the covenant. So as we read stories, for us to be able to point out to children where we are in the full story of the Bible, those pictorial references are super helpful for them. Um, And then as much as we can, point to where... Jesus is and talk about, you know, we've got some time before we get there, but the, the, um, they're preparing and promising the world for him, and he's coming. And then um, this right here is a helpful little tool. Our second and third graders use this in Sunday school, the books of the Bible chart. Um, again, just fold this, throw it in your Bible, and when you're reading a story, um, in any story you'll read, it'll note the scripture that it comes from. So you could easily say, okay, so, um, wow, we're still in Genesis this week. So we're in the books of law right now. There's five books um, in the books of law. The next stories that we're going to read are going to come from Exodus. But for them to be able to see how the Bible is organized and categorized is um, helpful for them. Because when they just look at something like this, 
the full Bible, you know, that looks a little intimidating, but when the more they can see that it's um, grouped in a pretty organized way, um, it's helpful for them. It gives them more tools to understand it. Um, let's see books of the Bible chart. We did that. The last thing I want to show you, some of you may have this. These are for sale in the bookstore as well as most of these Bibles. Um, the New Testament and the Old Testament Bible benchmark books. These are great. They're actually great for adults, but um, great for older kids too as you're reading the Bible. They will, for foundational stories, there's about a hundred foundational stories in the Old Testament one, and then I'm thinking maybe about close to 100 in the New Testament, but it will give you an overview of the book of the Bible. I just turned to one. This is oh, the birth of Jesus. So it gives you an overview of Luke, so an overview of the full book of the Bible, a summary of the Bible passage, and then key terms to know. So in this one, it um, defines who Gabriel was. Um, and these are great. Kids could go through this independently, too, just if show them kind of how to use it if they're old enough for it to be a usable tool or um, you can keep this and as you're reading stories from the Bible you know track and say oh this one's in Bible benchmarks let's read an overview of um, Genesis let's read some key terms from here but great resources for kids teens and adults um, and those were really all of the kind of tips and resources we wanted to share um, I would love to hear from you questions first of all, but um, if anybody wants to share things that have been disastrous at home in this world or things that have worked really well um, just to benefit the group. I have a question. Yeah. How old of a reader would you recommend for the Bible benchmark? Um, I would say, well, if you're doing it with them, um, even engagement-wise, I would say if you're doing it with them about fourth grade. We're going to give those to fourth graders from here on out with the hope that parents will go alongside their kids with it. Um, but anyone six and above, I think that they could, it could be a tool that they could use independently if there's someone who is reading the Bible kind of on their own. Um, but even just reading the book too, you could use that as a tool without the scripture. It's, how, it's much better if you read the scripture. Uh, but they could read it and have an overview of the Bible and a, a passage summary. But yeah, the earliest I would say is about fourth with a parent. Stephen? I have one child in mind. Um, what do you do when your child is being like really silly? Yeah. You're trying to have this time? Yeah. Because um, I find myself saying things that I don't want to say in connection with the Bible. I don't want right. to Right. Like, you, better, you better fear the Lord. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the rod. Yeah, right? <laughs> Um, that's a great question, and I hope you feel encouraged that we have all been there, you know. Um, I, one thing I would do is say at dinner time or something, when y'all are all together, knowing, do y'all do that at night? Yeah. Okay. And for anyone who's listening on audio, the question was, how do we address silliness from our kids um, when we're trying to read the Bible with them? What I would do is kind of have a family meeting, and so for you to say, hey, guys, okay, Something has really been on my mind and heart. I've noticed when we try to read the Bible, some are being super silly. And here's why that um, hurts my heart a little bit. And, you know, you share your love for them wanting to learn the Bible. And um, that, it, you know, it's, it's okay for you to say it feels disrespectful. Uh, you know, I'm your father and I'm trying to teach you about Jesus. And um, I feel that feels disrespectful. Like, and let them talk. Do you agree that we've been doing that? You know, 
um, get them into the conversation, and then kind of have a family um, promise or pledge. Okay, what, what should be, let's make some expectations for the next time we read the Bible. And that would be a great time t- for you to say, okay, maybe the wh- where we're doing it is not where we're doing it. Where would you like to read the Bible tonight? Um, do you want to read it in our bed, on the couch, in your bed? Give them some ownership where they're kind of taking part of the process. And then set some expectations. Okay, how should we behave? You know, what, sh- what should we do and what should we not do? And when we do something we shouldn't do, what should happen? And honestly, I think it's okay if, if y'all agree somebody has to leave. Whoever that child is, they probably don't want to leave the rest of the family. You know, but if, if, if you all as a family make an agreement, if someone is being overly silly, you know, maybe they need to leave that day. Um, and not be a part of the Bible reading that day because it's distracting everybody else. Um, I think if that were to happen, they would say, wait, I really do want to be a part of reading it with my family. Um, And then you could certainly later go read that story to them independently and say, hey, next time I really want you to be a part of it. Let's remember our family rules. Um, But, yeah, I think that's probably a challenge for a lot of of families. We have a door that locks from the outside. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Good tip. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, any other comments? Does anybody have something that works really well in their house? No. <laughs> yeah. Charlie? I'm very excited to be free from the feeling that we had to do it all together. Yeah. That's family worship. Spinning out, and then we had, like, a serious, quiet child. Yeah. So, I know. I spent the whole time like, <laughs> Right. And it can be separate, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Charlie, what were you going to say? I don't say? know if I've ever read my kids the introduction to a book uh-huh that's something you normally usually introductions are kind of dry yeah and, yeah you know, but the introduction to the jesus storybook bible and i'm going to out myself as being kind of a simpleton but i think it's one of the most important things i've ever read yes and for me yes but also for them it's like four pages yeah i'll actually show you it's um pretty much summarizes what the bible is yeah and what it isn't and i think that the misconceptions about what it isn't are probably more often than not, even among self-identifying Christians. That you know, is so good. It's a book of rules, and it's a book about what we're supposed to be doing, and it's really about what God's done for us. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, in the Jesus Story with Bible, it's called The Story in the Song, and it's just yeah. a couple pages. Um, and even throw that in there every few weeks. Yeah. Like, hey, remember, the Bible, this, the Bible is one big story. Let's go back and read that so we can remember what the full story is. Thank you for sharing that. Daniel loved reading it um, from start to we read it, you know, here, there, and then, I don't remember when it was, but John, my husband and Daniel said they were going to read it all together, and, you know, and, you know, he had something to look forward to, and it was something they did. Yeah. He, I think he does like structure. Right, and just like today, just say, hey, we're going to try something new, we're going to start from the beginning. Um, Well, I hope this was helpful. Thank y'all for coming. Thank you so much. Yeah, see you soon. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.